Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning and this beautiful day. And Lord, I thank you for every person here in this room this morning that said, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I want to hear a word, a rhema word from you this morning for me, for my life, for my relationship with you. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask, Lord, that you come and you speak to each one of us this morning. Lord, our hearts are open. Our minds are ready to receive from you this morning. And Lord, nothing in the flesh can ever satisfy us. We need your spirit. We need your word to become rhema, to become life in our hearts today. So Father, I pray that you will speak through me today. Lord, anoint every word that I speak, Father, and let it be rhema. Let it be something unique and specific for every person this morning. We've come to encounter you. We've come to encounter your presence. So come and have your way in us today, Lord. Help us to renew this thing we call our mind. Help us to walk, Lord, into everything that you've got for us. We are so hungry. We are so thirsty for you. We praise your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, who was here last Sunday? Okay, quite a few of you. If you missed last Sunday, Johannes spoke a word about pulling down strongholds. I'm sorry, I'm already thirsty. We haven't even started. He spoke a phenomenal word on pulling down strongholds. And you know, we had such feedback on that word of people saying, this was for me. Please help me to understand this better. Please teach us more about how does it actually work in our mind. And so we thought we've really been praying about it and talking about it. And so I'm going to continue where Johannes started last week about pulling down strongholds. And I'm going to continue to speak this morning on winning the war of your mind. My hand is up. Okay, as your hand is up, it's not your bed. Guys, honestly, this is something that we can probably speak on week in and week out and week in and week out until Jesus comes back. Because this is probably one of the most important messages that we will hear, whether we are newly saved or whether we've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. Our mind needs constant renewing. Constant renewing. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And if you missed Johannes's word, you can go and listen to the podcast or you can go on YouTube. We are really trying to film the messages so that those of us, you know, with this strange 50 RSVP system, if you miss the service, then you can at least go back and go and listen to it again. Go back to you version and go back to the notes because that is also part of renewing our mind. It is actually going back to the word of God over and over and over and let it wash us. Bible speaks about the washing of the word. Okay, that's what the word does. And so Johannes also shared a little bit about his personal testimony, which I think is so powerful. And I'm going to share a little bit of mine today in this area of renewing the mind that both of us know, you know, if we didn't allow the Lord to start dealing with us in this area of renewing our minds, we would probably not be standing here this morning. There would probably not be a church here this morning. There might be someone else's church. But what the Lord had called us to do, it was so crucial for us to start that process of renewing our minds. And you know, before we start, I just want to say this. We were recently had the privilege of going back to Cape Town. Africa, And we were able to go back and meet with some of our leadership there and we had three days of just gathering with all of the local Living Word pastors of different uh, church congregations in the Western Cape and then obviously us in Namibia. And we spent some time really praying and seeking the Lord for 2021 after this crazy year of 2020. And we were really trusting the Lord to speak to all of us about what is his heart for these churches? What is his heart for us in this next year coming up? And particularly for us, Johannes and I, we went with this expectation of, Lord, you know, instill a new spirit of faith in us. Because when we left Cape Town, we didn't know that we were walking into launching church year in a year of lockdown. 
we were going in with faith to plant a church where we can gather. And we had seven services and we were not allowed to gather. <laughs> we were like, okay, Lord, how is this going to work? Was the word of the Lord wrong? Or is he giving us new strategy and we need to learn how to listen? And so we shared with our team last week that as we were praying and as we were, you know, trusting the Lord and people were bringing prophetic words, the words over this campus, over this church here in Namibia, was that the Lord is getting ready to announce a new season in the Spirit, a new platform in the Spirit for this church. And one of the ladies that, you know, she's walked the journey with us for a long time, she said in the Spirit she saw like a racehorse. You know a horse that's with triple. Okay, he's getting ready to run the race, but the gates are not open yet. So here horse stand in triple, and he waits for the to open. And this is what's happening in the spirit. And I don't know who can already see the momentum in our small church that has been growing. Sometimes even Imka called me yesterday, and she's like, I feel this excitement in my spirit. I don't know what is going on or why I feel like that. And all of our team feel like that. There is something that God is getting ready to birth, getting ready to move. And if we are not going to tap into it, we are going to miss it. And that's why I believe the Lord is, is really using this teaching season in this season, our first year of planting and still as we kick off this year, to go deep into what we teach. To go deep into our basic doctrinal beliefs to make sure that when the Spirit comes, and He's already here, but there's a move that is going to be bigger than what we can even imagine. We need to be solid, rooted, grounded in the Word of God. We need to know who we are. We need to know what God says about us. Because we are not going to have time to figure that out when He comes and when He moves and when He's getting ready to establish His kingdom in this city and in this nation. Amen? Is anyone else getting stirred in your spirit this morning? Sometimes I cannot go to bed. <laughs> okay. So the Lord said, a new deposit of faith was released in us. We have passed the planting stage, but now we're entering a new stage. Prepare. A wave, an explosion is coming. Are we ready? Are we preparing ourselves? To our team, we're constantly talking to them, guys, if we are trusting the Lord for a new building, are we stretching ourselves for our capacity to handle it? If we go into evening services, are we ready to take on the stretch of our capacity, of enlarging? There's that scripture in Isaiah 54 said, enlarge your tent paints. Okay, maak groter die spasie, die Heere wil kom, die Heere wil beweeg. But we have to decide, yes, I am in. Yes, I am part of this journey. Yes, Lord, come and renew my mind. Come and restore my identity. Come and help me to understand the part that I play. Who you are in me and who I am in you. Amen. So the horse is tripling. We need to be strong in the word, and we also need to be strong in the spirit. We need both, church. We need both. And so that's why I believe a topic like today is so important. It is so crucial for us to tap into. It is so crucial for us to understand and to study. Because a transformed mind will transform a person. A transformed person will transform a family. A transformed family will transform a nation. That is the reality. But it starts with you and me being open for the Lord to renew our mind. I want to read this scripture to you. Johannes shared it last week. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5. And I'm first going to read the New Living Translation. And then I want to go into the Amplified. Those of you who know me, you know I love the Amplified. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says the following. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, everyone say weapons, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought, everyone say every thought, every thought. 
into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, can I get the Amplified as well? The Amplified says, For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Everyone say not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories, reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought, everyone say lead every thought, and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. We can just end there and say amen, and that will be enough to carry us. Okay, so what is Paul doing here? He is using analogy of the battlefield, of a war. I actually said, Johannes, this morning, I need like a little shirt. Uh, this was the closest I could get to it. Because I want to make the point that we are in war, Owens. We are in a spiritual war. And I love that Paul is using military language. Now, I don't know much about the army. When I have questions about war or, you know, combat, different things, I ask Johannes. That's one of his uh, favorite topics to talk about. So if you've got questions about the army, the girls, Johannes. But here's what I have learned. War. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at some of those words in that scripture. And I'm not going to give you every Greek word. That's going to be boring to everyone. And we're going to sit here for a long time. But, but I'm going to highlight some of those words and describe when Paul used those Greek words, what was he actually referring to? To give us a better picture and context of what he's talking about. So the word war in that scripture reveals, and it speaks about a soldier on a military expedition. To be on active service as a soldier fighting. Okay, that's you and I. We are in an active war as soldiers fighting. Weapons, that refers to instruments, armor, any tool or arms used in warfare. Mighty means possible, able, strong, power, strong in soul, strong in Christian virtue, and to excel in something. This is important background for what we are going to discuss this morning. Pulling down, where it says pulling down strongholds, that actually refers to destruction, demolition, and destroy. We're not talking about putting a dent in something. We're talking about destroying it completely. Okay? A stronghold. That refers to a castle, a fortress. If you think back of biblical times, some of those old type of movies, a stronghold was a castle, a fortified city that no one could enter. It was almost impossible for the enemy to, to penetrate into that place. But when they came in, they took full occupation of the city. That's what they refer to when they speak about a stronghold. A castle, a fortress, anything on which one relies. Arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against an opponent. That's what a stronghold refers to. The word arguments, where it says there that we are destroying sophisticated arguments in our mind. That talks about... Thoughts, imagination, reckoning, and reasoning. Who here would consider themselves someone who reasons? You think about things. Jy dink hulle hier so uit, en jy redeneer vir hulle hier uit. We're going to talk to you this morning also. I'm also one of them. Okay, so we, are, we can see that we are talking about a battlefield of the mind. Who knows Joyce Meyer? If you don't have Battlefield of the Mind yet on your bookshelf, probably one of the highest recommended books I can ever tell you to go and buy. And you actually need to read it through once a year. That's what I've decided, and I've just realized I haven't done it last year, so maybe I'm going to start now. Okay, so we can see we're talking about a battlefield of the mind. And honestly, church, this is where we know, as Johannes spoke last week, this is where the enemy does most of his fighting. 
Are we a church that glorifies the enemy? Absolutely not. But why is it that we need to talk about him? Because when you go into battle, and Johannes can correct me if I'm wrong, when you go into war, when you go into battle, how possible will it be for you to get the victory if you don't know your enemy's tactics or strategy? Would it be fair to say that I at least need to know who my opponent is? And so, you know, Jesus taught the disciples many times about who the enemy is, how he works, and which weapons they have to get the victory over him. So if Jesus spoke about it, why should we not speak about it? And I just want to be clear, we always glorify Jesus, and we always glorify the victory that we have through him. But sometimes people say, oh, you know, ons moet nie die vijand achter elke bos soekie nie, maar jy moet beslis weet wie hy is, en hoekom hy jou target. Otherwise, you will never know how to defeat him. Amen? Jesus called the enemy the father of all lies in John 8. The father of all lies. Okay, so number one, we've established that we are in a spiritual battle. Let's have a read at Ephesians 6 verse 12. And I think we've actually spoken about this scripture a lot. Okay, this is Ephesians 6 is where Paul speaks about the armor of God. Normally everyone knows that passage, the armor of God. But verse 12 says, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, this is a very old version of the Amplified, against the powers, against the master spirits who are in the world, rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Okay? It's very, very important that we understand this. But what is the good news this morning? Jesus already gave us the victory. Jesus already gave us a victory. But as Christians, we have to appropriate the blood. What does that mean? We have to take and possess and use what Jesus has given us in order to walk in that victory. So the moment you and I receive salvation and we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life, it's like a target gets painted on your back. And Ephesians 6 speaks about the fiery darts. But we have the weapons. We just need to know what are they and how do I use them? Because here's the reality, church. We can skip all of this. We can be saved and still go to heaven. We can still receive eternal life. But if we are not going to allow the Lord Jesus, what he had did for us, and the Holy Spirit to help and renew us and sanctify us, we will spend the rest of our life on earth quite miserable and in defeat. That's the choice that we have. So you can still go to heaven, but go to heaven with a toxic mind and no victory on earth. And I don't know about you, but that's not going to be me. I actually believe that God has got a plan and a purpose for every person walking on this planet. But he's given us free will and we have to decide whether we want to walk in that promise. And whether we want to walk in that plan and destiny that he's got for us. Because one day we are all going to stand in front of Jesus at the judgment seat. And that's not the judgment seat between unbelievers and believers. This is the Bema seat of Christ. Where we will have to give an account of everything that we did on earth. And anything that did not have kingdom value will be burnt up. And only things that had eternal value, that had kingdom impact, will remain. And then Jesus will give us rewards for that which had eternal value. Not that reward should motivate us. But what motivates me is I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to waste a minute of my time on earth floating about and having the enemy rule and regulate my every thought and my every action. Because my Jesus died for way more than that. And he did for you too. Okay. So John 10.10 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I came, Jesus came, that we might have life and life in abundance. Would it be fair to say that there are two plans then for you and I? A good plan and a bad plan. Which one are we going to agree with? And which one are we going to walk out? 
on this earth. I want to go for the latter one, Jesus' plan. Okay, so number two, what is a stronghold? Johannes explained it so well last week. Please go and have a look at his message. He said, it's an area in our mind where darkness has a foothold and controls us. It's an area in our mind, in our thinking, where darkness actually holds control. And remember, everything stems from our thought life. The words we speak first originate in our thoughts. Then our actions follow that also, but it first starts in our thoughts. I want to add to that an area in which we are held in bondage, in prison, due to a certain way of thinking. An area where we believe a lie that is contradictory to the word of God. A lie about what God says about us, how God feels about us. And this is the battlefield. This is the plan of the enemy. He's the father of all lies. And this is what he did to Eve. This is what he tried to do to Jesus. If he can just plant a seed in your mind of doubt, of confusion, whatever lie, as early as he can in your life, most of his job is done. Because when we allow thoughts, lies, to grow in our mind and to continue to dictate our behavior, our speaking, our lives, we will live according to that line. It will take us completely off course with what the Lord is actually saying. That's the power. That's why he hides in the safety of a stronghold, because from there he can launch his fiery darts, and then he has control. So that's why Paul says we have to completely destroy those strongholds. Because when we are able to destroy a stronghold, it gives him no legal foot in our life. This is really, really huge, what we are talking about this morning. And we can have a stronghold. We probably, Johannes listed quite a number of them. And I mean, there's so many strongholds. You know, there's hundreds that we can talk about. But a stronghold can be something like a worldview. I can have a stronghold believing a worldview of materialism. Uh, maybe even something like secular, secularism. <laughs> um, communism is a stronghold. Look at what happens when people live in a stronghold of communism. Racism is a huge stronghold. I don't believe we need to even expand on that. Look at what happens when someone lives an entire life and they come into a position of leadership and they live in a stronghold of racism. It destroys nations. So can we see how important this is? A stronghold can be a personal attitude like worry, like fear, anxiety, approval addiction, constant feelings of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it. When we believe those things, it can honestly dictate our entire life. Unworthiness, insecurity, constant guilt and condemnation, even idols and different things that we consider to be most important in our lives outside of Jesus Christ can become a stronghold. And those strongholds will then hinder us from accepting the truth and walking in the truth that Jesus has for us. I love the story of reading through in the Old Testament of, you know, Exodus, from Genesis, Exodus, through Joshua, where the Israelites were in the wilderness. And, you know, the Lord had called them out of Egypt, but he told them to go in and possess the promised land. But what happened with the Israelites? They got stuck in their strongholds. They got stuck in the mentality and the thought process of their past Believing that their past will actually dictate their future. And that's why they ended up, which was supposed to be a short journey, 40 years in the wilderness. Because what happens when the Lord says we need to go in and possess the promised land? Possess actually means that I have to go in and first remove the current occupants. Before I can go in and occupy. Amen? So what happens with a lot of Christians is we've got this beautiful prophetic word from the Lord. 
and I want to go and possess that promised land. I want to go possess that promise that God has got for me. But first, depends on when we get saved, how many current occupants are in the way of us taking that possession. We need to allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to go in and first remove, destroy, get rid of those occupants. And elicitir. So that we can walk in and occupy and take possession, full control. Amen. Number three, how powerful is the mind? And so I'm going to go into a bit of a science lesson today, but I'm not going to attempt to do the lesson. So I've brought in some help. But I think it's really important that we understand the power of this thing called our mind. When I did research this week and I was just kind of, you know, in the word and in different teachings of people who have really done a lot of research on the power of the mind, I was astounded again at what our minds can actually achieve. The way that God created us, this is a fascinating part of who we are. And that's probably why there is so much power in it and why the enemy thought, okay, if I can get them there, I can get their entire life. I can destroy everything by just targeting this area. Joyce Meyer, I love her. She says, where the mind goes, the man follows. Isn't that true? Where the mind goes, the man follows. Proverbs 23 verse 7. Did I give you that one? Ben, I say, yo. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what we think over here and what we believe is actually what will come out and what will manifest in our life. That's why the Bible speaks so many times about renewing our mind. What we think is extremely important and it will literally affect who we become how we behave. And did you know that your thoughts have creative ability? Your thoughts have creative ability. And I'm going to show you now what I mean by that. But here's the truth. We cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. It's impossible. I've tried it. We can also not have a fruitful life with a toxic mind. It's impossible. Because what happens inside of here will manifest in the natural. It'll manifest in our words. It'll manifest in our actions. It will actually also manifest in our bodies, physically. Your thoughts have the power to actually change your DNA. I know, that sounds very clever. I got it from a lady called Caroline Leaf. Does anyone know Dr. Caroline Leaf? Okay, I've had the privilege of actually meeting her once in a church service where she came and taught on this idea of neuroscience and how so much of neuroscience actually proves what it says in the Word. And often you can have people debate science and the Word of God. But just do a little bit of research. Everything that scientists are now finding out is actually, we've known it all along. It's called the Word of Truth. And she says this, Dr. Caroline Leaf she, she wrote a book called Switch on the Brain. And she's done research on the brain for at least 30 years. She studied cognitive neuroscience along with theology based on the scripture that we're going to talk about today, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, which says that we need to be transformed, changed, and completely renewed by renewing our mind. So she took that scripture and she said, Lord, please explain to me, because when she, was, um, when she went to go and study, a lot of the science that was available and out there said that the brain cannot change. But she went in and she's done a lot of research along with other scientists and you know, other people around the world. And a lot of what they now call neuroplasticity is actually research that proves how much of the brain can change by renewing of the mind. Everything that scripture already told us. And... She says the following, she says, we are thinking beings. We think day and night, and at night our mind sorts our thoughts. That's why sleep is so important. Wie is a nacht oil? 
Okay, jylle moet slaap. Because it's very important for thoughts to be processed. For thoughts to be sorted. For your brain to renew itself. Thoughts are real. They occupy mental real estate. And what is actually so profound is that God created us as human beings with a unique ability to think just like he does. Think about it. Does your dog think like you do? I know we talk like they do. I talk to some of my family members and they will describe to me how the dog thinks, what the dog is doing, why the dog is doing it. That's because that's something we made up. They do not have the ability to think like we do. No other species on the earth has. That's not me. That's what the scientists say. So I want to watch two short video clips. It's one to two minutes each where Caroline Leaf just explains what actually happens to a thought and how a thought actually works. So the team can just put that up for us. Toxic thoughts is the first of the dirty dozen that I want to discuss with you. And this is fascinating because thoughts go through a process as they develop in your mind. And essentially the first 24 to 48 hours that um, information comes in your brain and a thought is busy forming, it's in a temporary state. So you still have the chance to be able to actually completely get rid of it before it actually takes permanent hold inside your brain. So as information comes in through the five senses, it swirls around the middle of your brain for 24 to 48 hours. A temporary memory will also form over there, but the beauty of this is that you can capture that thought and eliminate it immediately. So capturing toxic thoughts and getting rid of them at that point is very important. But sometimes we don't, and sometimes it goes on longer than 24 to 48 hours, and that temporary memory then converts into a pretty much a semi-permanent memory. And I say semi-permanent because no memory is permanent in your brain because you can wire out anything out of your brain. You see, very often we get these toxic thoughts in our brain and they become so much part of us, we get chained to those toxic thoughts. They become these habits that actually make us feel that this is who we are. They define us. But if they are not healthy thoughts, if they are toxic thoughts, they are not who you are. And if you've wired them in, you need to wire them out. So a toxic thought doesn't define you and if it has gone in and it's longer than 24 to 48 hours and you've been thinking in a certain way for 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 years you can wire that out as well sometimes we become so comfortable as I said with toxic thoughts that we actually think well this is who I am but you can wire any toxic thought whether it's just happened now in the next 24 to 48 hours you can get rid of it a little easier but once it's wired in you can still wire it out so toxic thoughts you have to deal with this deal with them at any stage wherever you're at in your life Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. In this video blog, we're going to be talking about the fact that you can renew your mind. You know, thoughts are real. They occupy mental real estate. If you make a bad choice, you build a bad thought. That bad thought is going to produce bad words and actions, good thoughts, good words and actions. These are real things. You wire them in. But the good news is that we don't have to keep these in our head. We can get rid of these things. We can get rid of these toxic thoughts. We can renew the mind like it says in Romans 12 too. Scientifically, we know this is the case as well. We know that these thoughts, when they're brought up into the conscious mind, they become malleable or labile, which means they can change. Your brain is neuroplastic, which means it can change. Yours, your brain also has a principle of neurogenesis happening, which means that new nerve cells are grown. All, all everyday new nerve cells, baby nerve cells are being grown inside your brain. Now, based on the fact that you can change your brain, that when thoughts move into consciousness and you can change them, and the fact that you're getting new baby nerve cells being grown every single day, if you actively control and bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus and make the decision to change, amazing things happen in your brain. You literally look at this negative thought using a good thought and you literally can wire this thought out of your brain and get rid of it completely through electrical chemical reactions. So it's a spiritual fact and it is also a scientific fact. How fascinating is that? I just thought that was really, really powerful. Because how many times, and we see this with maybe our parents or our grandparents, you know, can you see when people have thought for a certain way for 30 years, that's who they become. 
And if we think we can try and change them after 30, 40 years, who's got experience in that? Uh, just I me. Mean, okay. Um, but what I love is that she says that you have the ability to control your thoughts. It's okay. Don't worry about the kids. This is really important. They can play. Okay. We can literally change our thought life. And sometimes we have been told and we grow up thinking that this way that I'm thinking, it's my thoughts and it is who I am. But that is not the truth. That is not the truth of what scripture says. And we want to talk about this thing called this morning, renew the mind. Because we can wire out toxic beliefs. We can get rid of toxic experiences, bad memories, even trauma. All of those things we can get rid of through the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We can replace old thinking patterns with truth, new and healthy habits, new and healthy thoughts, the word of God. That is what we need to replace lies with truth. And the way that God has designed the human mind is actually beyond our comprehension. A recent stat that I've Googled from her research and other scientists' research says that 75 to 95% of all illnesses, mental diseases, physical ailments in our bodies is a direct result of what is going on inside here. And you may say, well, what if it's in, in my DNA? Okay. Well, your DNA can be influenced by your thought life. I don't have time to show all the video clips. She's got phenomenal research. But there's phenomenal other teachings out there that proves the Bible when it comes to scientific facts about the human brain and disease and illnesses. I cannot tell you how many times we've seen in counseling, that we've seen in ministry, even before we came to Ventuk, when people let go of thinking patterns and things that they hold in their heart, like bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, that physical illnesses heal instantly. Why? Because those things, those toxic beliefs, those toxic things actually gave a right and a foothold for the enemy to bring disease and destruction into our life. That is how powerful the mind is. And I, honestly, I have a testimony about this. I remember, those of you who have been part, I think I've shared it a few times, but my dad passed away when I was six years old. He was a farmer and he just had a heart attack and he just passed away. There was no warning. There was no sign. It was traumatic in every sense of the word. And I just remember feeling, and only when I was older and I started, you know, walking this journey with the Lord, I understood what was actually happening to me was that I felt abandoned. I felt rejected because at six years old, you don't really understand. Where is he? Where did he go? Why did he leave? As if he had a choice. But that's how I felt. And I remember growing up, especially when I came to high school, with extreme anxiety and fear. I just remember having no self-esteem. I just remember not ever believing in myself. Why? Because as little girls, our dad is our source of identity. Our dad is normally the one that provides that role of identity. He's the one that will explain to you, Jai is papa's daughter. And especially if we had a godly father, he will impart that. Not all of us had the privilege of that. But then you will probably know and experience, have experienced the same thing. That you, you kind of grow up thinking... I'm not actually worthy. I'm not good enough. And I remember even in primary school, I was so shy and so timid. No one will believe me now. But I would actually cry when they would just ask the new children to stand up. I didn't even have to say a word. I was so fearful of people. I was so scared of actually not being able to measure up. I just didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I had any gifts. I didn't believe that I was standing out in anything. I passed grades. I had good grades, you know, all of that. Um, but I wasn't really the wolf Macy. <laughs> so uh, I just remember growing up, and even when I was a student, I started smoking and drinking to get rid of the constant anxiety in my stomach. Because there is a reality of a thing called the mind and the gut connection. Who's heard about that? 
So I literally lost, I even lost weight because of constant anxiety. It would feel, if you've ever had anxiety, you will know. It is literally like it's in your stomach. It's not normal butterflies when you are nervous. It's times 1,000. It's like when you take a wet towel and you squeeze it and you twist and turn it to, to get all of the water out. That's how it feels in your stomach. This is your darms full. So you have constant so gevoel van, you have extreme acute nervousness. And I, I could not understand where did it come from. And eventually, you know, after I met the Lord, there was actually something supernatural that broke over me in a Holy Spirit service, in a church service. Something broke over me. But there was still a process where I really had to change some of those thoughts and beliefs that I was rejected, that I was abandoned, that I was alone. Even though I had family around me, I felt like that on the inside. I had to learn what Jesus said about me. I had to learn that Jesus actually gave me a voice to speak. I remember in primary school, oh, I hated mondeling, okay, oral. We have to talk in front of people. My worst fear come true. And I remember even when we did athletics and we had the green team and the red team and the white team. And, you know, I did a little bit of athletic. I was alright, but I was not the first one. Okay, for the green team, I was the green team. And they were getting ready. We were 12 years old and they were getting ready to choose cheerleaders. The cheerleader role was very important. The cheerleader role meant that I led the whole school through song as the other guys ran their race. Up in pavilion, Okay. And so inside, I desperately wanted to be a cheerleader. <laughs> I couldn't sing or anything and I was too shy and I was too timid and I was too scared. But I really wanted to be a cheerleader. And I remember she was one of my best friends. And she and I were standing behind her and they were getting ready. The children actually chose their own cheerleaders, which, what, what a silly system. Who's the authority in that scenario? <laughs> School is weird. And I remember I was standing right behind her and I knew there was no way in the natural I could actually do it, but I still had this desire. And I stood right behind her and I will never, I even remember it to this day. That, that shows you how powerful words are also. I remember... She was saying, Marissa can't be a cheerleader, she can't even speak for one person. And you know what? It broke me on the inside at 12 years old. And I believed it all through high school that I cannot speak in front of people. And it's something silly, but it, it can become so big if I decided to believe that for the rest of my life I would not be here. I would not teach the word of God that I believe is one of the calls on my life. And I'm sure all of us have some experience like that. Where we've believed something for our entire life and maybe we've been able to get rid of it, but maybe some of that is still there this morning. And this message is maybe touching on a nerve somewhere. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will show all of us at least one area in our mind that he wants to destroy because it's destroying the direction in which he wants us to go. I want to quickly read Philippians 4 verse 8. Oh my gosh, I knew we were not going to get through it all. Okay, Philippians 4 verse 8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix mean I decide. Okay, the Bible says, cast your mind, set your mind and keep it set. That's our job. Okay, we have control over what we think and believe. Fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true? Is it true that I cannot speak in front of people? I'm just using me as an example so that I don't point to you. No, what is true? God says that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That is the truth. Okay? Here is the truth. Okay? Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think. Dunk. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So thinking is actually a command. <laughs> I don't have time to think. Okay? So what does it look like in our life? 
Every thought we think changes and shapes our DNA. Toxic negative thoughts switch off DNA codes that actually lead to healing. And the truth of scripture, hear this. This is also from Dr. Leaf. She said that the truth of scripture can actually override bad genes that we have. Ni genes ni gene. Just to clarify. Well, it can stop with you, praise the Lord. When Johannes and I got married, we actually looked at things in both of our families and we said, it stops with us. I think he actually did a phenomenal sermon. The box stops with me. You can actually stop it right now by the way that you think. And actually, your thoughts can actually impact the next four generations. Did you know that? Okay, well, renew your mind, then your children won't think like that. We don't have time to get into that. Okay, so the Bible says, take every thought captive. What does that mean? It actually means that we take control, we conquer, we bring it into submission. Jy leen, ek bring jou into submission. Jesus said this, it is written. But what is the key? We need to know what is written. <laughs> Romans 12 is 1 to 2. Quickly, last scripture. And then I'm going to run down 10 points in one minute. <laughs> Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and faculties, would you consider your brain a member of yourself? Okay. Presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, Johannes spoke about that, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Verse 2, this is actually the main scripture that you can underline, highlight, Pluck it up your eyes, guys. Do not be conformed to this world, this age. Fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideals and new attitude. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. When will change actually come in our lives? Yo, but I've been in church and, you know, I pray a little bit and I play my worship music in my car. When will change come in your life? When will change come in my life? When I'm actually transformed by the renewal of my mind. That's when things will change in my life. And you and I cannot do it alone. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That word conformed actually means do not think the way the world thinks. You know, I'm actually frightened when I listen to moms telling me stories of what their little girls already say about themselves at a very, very young age. I'm talking not even primary school. I had a friend in Cape Town who said to me, her little girl at four years old, said no thank you to a cupcake because it'll make her fat. She learned it at school. That was before lockdown. The world will dictate to us many things. The world will tell little girls what beauty is, and they will tell young boys what being a man is. And it's not what scripture teaches, what real beauty is, and what a real man is. So we need to not conform and think like the world does. We, and that's one of the four points that Johannes spoke about. Being set apart is one thing we're going to focus on this year. That means I'm not going to think like the world thinks. I'm not going to talk the way the world talks. I'm not going to do life the way the world does. Because the world is ruled by the enemy and not by Jesus Christ. 
So I can choose to be either influenced by the darkness and let it feed my every thought, or I can feed my every thought with the truth, the Word of God. And then that word transformed actually means transfigured. Who remembers the story of Jesus on the mountain in Matthew 17 where he was completely transfigured? That means to change completely, to renew. The Afrikaans word is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Okay, it means entirely different creation. That happens. I've seen even people that started to renew their mind after they got saved that looks different to pictures that I saw of them in their BC days. They even physically look different. Ne? Because of what has started to happen inside of here. They allowed the Lord to transform them. Renew means renew. Renovation, a complete change for the better. Okay, very briefly as we end, how do I then renew my mind? <laughs> okay. First of all, Titus 3 verse 5 says, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to renew our mind, to help us to understand which lies we believe and what truth we are going to replace it with. Paul said that we have weapons, godly weapons, and they are full of power. What are they? Okay, first of all, the word, and that's the only one we have literally seconds to talk about. Prayer is another weapon. Worship is another weapon. Giving is a weapon. Did you know that? Giving is a spiritual weapon. Why? Because it teaches my heart to let go of money as a God and to submit myself under the Godship and the leadership of Jesus. Mamon is nifani Giving is also a weapon. And Paul in Ephesians 6 was describing a Roman soldier. And you know, when he describes all of those weapons, he speaks about the word of God as the sword of the spirit. And did you know that in the armor of God, that is the only offensive weapon that he speaks about? What does that mean? Every other weapon you use to defend yourself against the enemy. The sword is actually something you use to go after him. Intentional, on purpose. And it's not actually one of those huge swords. It's like a small little dagger. But you need to punch me. We don't have time to go into it, but that's actually what a lot of scholars say. That it was a small little dagger. And actually, that they used it, you know, when the fiery darts would actually also come into, into your body. You can actually use it to dig it out. In Matthew 4, Jesus was tested in the wilderness. And the enemy came to him, and we were actually speaking about it at our um, team gathering the other night. And he came and he tried to attack Jesus with lies. Even through scripture he was quoting, but he twisted the scripture and left certain keys out. To make it sound like something else. To test Jesus on his identity, on his authority. To try and get Jesus to worship him the world instead of his father. And how did Jesus respond to him? He said to him every time, you can go and read it in Matthew 4, it is written. So what did Jesus in fact do? He used, by that time, you know, Jesus is the sword, he is the word. But that's a model for us to use the word of God whenever a lie comes against us. To reply back, whenever I heard that lie of, I'm not good enough, I don't have any gifts, and I am fearful, I learned 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 that says, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That changed my life, guys. You can ask Johannes, he met me when I was still fearful. Okay, no wariaki. I mean, have fear of the Lord. That's a good thing. But I'm not scared of people. I'm not scared of what people think. I'm going to preach the gospel in season, out of season. And if it offends people, I don't care. Because my Jesus is on the throne. Okay. He's number one. Amen. So I don't have a spirit of fear. But what is that? Whenever we hear that, you have to take that truth for you in that lie 
You need the Holy Spirit to find out. You need to know what is written. And you need to jab it back at him. It is written. Don't lie to me. And you don't give thought. You take that thing captive. You take control of it and you say, that is a lie. I will not believe it. I am worthy. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. But people, we need to know what is inside of the word. Otherwise, we will waffle and he will laugh at you. It is only the word of God that has the power as that weapon. But we need to know what is inside of the word of God. And that's why liberating truths punt. Here it is. Who's currently doing liberating truths? There's a couple of you. There's a couple of, of new people in our team. That is why we do that course. Because it's a dedicated time of eight weeks where we go into some of the biggest lies. Because remember, for 2,000 years, he's used the same old tricks. Okay? We have the answers. We just need to know how to apply it in our own life. So there's nothing new about him. He cannot create anything new. He just uses the same old boring tactics. So uh, this course is about identifying those big lies, big strongholds in our lives. And then we teach people what is the truth about those things and how do they then apply it in their life. And that is why we also say to people, it'll take actual focus for eight weeks. Some people think, oh, ach, Vika is long. Did you know what I actually learned? And I'm going to use this when we talk about liberating truths. What I actually learned. Dr. Caroline Leaf, <laughs> she says that it actually takes two months to bring proper change in a thought and in an area. How beautiful is that? So, as Jennifer Michael said, oh, we are still long, well, will you for honoring sin? Done with us commit. She also says something that multitasking is not good for us. Was all the women that are so trots about multitasking? I say, real for Johannes, how good that is doing. Is that a stronghold? I don't know. But she says that actually multitasking is not that great for your brain. Because if I take too many focus areas at once, I don't actually give my brain time to focus on one thing properly. And that means my brain doesn't get the time to think and to develop the, the pathways that need to develop for that one thing. And actually, I think I'm doing great, but I'm not actually getting through everything the way I should. That's why we've even said to our participants, when you come and do liberating truths, don't go and do other courses on top of that. Give the Lord time to deal with you on that one thing for that one week. We give people homework. They have six scriptures every week, three questions on three of those, because we do two topics a week. Last week they did righteousness. And I've said to them, if you don't do the homework, don't expect to see change in your life. Because you've actually, because now what we do is we go and do another course and another course and another course. We listen to today's sermon, tonight's sermon, tomorrow's sermon, five other sermons from five other preachers online in America and Israel and Ikvitivi Amalni. That's great. But it's too much at one time. You're not giving your brain and your heart time to process, time for new pathways to develop, for change to actually happen. So we've said to them, just lay off all of the other things. Just take the one topic that we are doing this week and focus 500% on that. Just focus on righteousness. Just go for those six scriptures so that it can become head knowledge, can become heart knowledge. The Logos word can become Rhema word in your heart. And that's when you will start to see change in your life. Here's the thing, it's not a once-off prayer church that will actually renew our mind. Another statistics that I heard that I thought, okay, this was fantastic, was that 12 minutes of prayer a day for eight weeks can actually bring change in your mind. 12 minutes of prayer a day for eight weeks. Alle vrouwen ook een woorden, de mensen? Och, weke, jylle is een week drie. Just 12 minutes a day can bring change. Meditation and speaking in tongues. Did you know that that can also bring change and rewire things in your brain? Studies have proved this. 
Meditation on the word of God. That's why it says Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Church, we will never get to that place of change and of real transformation if we are not going to go back to these simple spiritual disciplines. Set off Facebook. Set off Instagram. I'm so preaching to myself. There's more stats on social media and dopamine that gets released. We don't have time to go into that. But the word of God is the only thing that will bring change to your life. We've seen addictions broken. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen people heal physically because of the power of this word of truth. You say, well, you say that every week. Well, that's probably the only thing we need to hear. I'm going to end with this. Proverbs 15 verse 14 says that a wise person is hungry for knowledge. But fools feed on trash. What we feed our mind is so important. What we look at, what we listen to is so important. There was a phenomenal man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, in the 1800s. I think he lived there then. And basically when he would walk into a room, everyone would fall under the spirit and people would be healed left, right and center. Do you know what I heard? What was one of his habits? Probably not a habit, probably a lifestyle. He never, ever read the newspaper. Did they have TV back then? I don't think so. He never read the newspaper. He just read the Bible. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. I'm not suggesting you don't know what's going on in the world. I'm just simply making a point. Do declarations. Understand what the truth of Scripture is and speak it over yourself. Every single morning, you have new cells in your brain ready to be developed. Feed it the right stuff. Feed it with the truth of God. We've got a PDF that I've done and completed it with 50 declarations of who you are in Jesus. If you want it, please send me a WhatsApp and I'll send it. Maybe I'll just send it on the church group. Print it out and feed yourself. Read over it. Meditate. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to make it real to you. And speak it over yourself. Speak it over your children every single day. It has the power to change your, your mind. And I'm going to ask the team. You can just put on the music and I'm going to close for us in prayer. I knew we were going to go over time. It's too much to share. But I pray that this morning... That the Holy Spirit will really speak to each one of our hearts this morning. And I just want you to close your eyes. It'll be quick. I just want you to focus on the Holy Spirit this morning. And the first question, I want to pray for two groups of people. The first, and we will always make an opportunity for this. If you are here this morning... And you've never, ever made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The first step to renewing our mind is to understand who I am in Jesus. And to accept His Spirit into my life. And if there is anyone here and you've never, ever made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want you to just gently raise your hand. Because as a church family, I want to pray for you after the service. Awesome. Then I want to pray for a second group of people. If you feel like the Lord highlighted anything in this service, that you think there is an area in my thinking that needs to change. There is an area in my life where I'm not seeing breakthrough. I'm not understanding why I'm not getting the breakthrough. Maybe there is a stronghold. Maybe there is something where the enemy has somehow gained a foothold. And the Lord wants to help you to get to a place of freedom and a place of truth. I want you to just gently raise your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you 
that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. And Lord, this was a mouthful of a message this morning, but Father, we pray that you would help us in this process of renewing our minds. Lord, we believe the scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. But Father, just as the Israelites had to go and possess the promised land, they had to get rid of the current occupants. And Holy Spirit, we just give you permission this morning, in the weeks to come, maybe in the next 21 days, Lord, as we try and set new habits for ourselves. We pray that you would come, Lord, and that you will come and expose any stronghold in our thinking, any lies that we are currently believing about ourselves, about how you feel about us, and about what you've called us to do. And Father, we give you permission to come and break it down, demolish and destroy it in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, please lead us into all truth. Come and help us to renew our mind, to be totally transformed, to be totally changed by the power of your truth. Help us to review our thoughts, Lord. What are we currently thinking? And show us the biggest areas, Lord, where you want to come in and bring healing and health and truth. And Father, we give you permission, Lord, to come and do this on the inside of us. We give ourselves to you. We give our minds to you. We give our thought life to you. And we ask, us, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to think on things that are true. Think on things that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable. And come and destroy any wrong thinking. Because we want to live our life according to your design for us. We want to walk in the fullness that you've got for us. We want to walk in the full freedom that you have got for us. And Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over every person in this room. Lord, I pray that you will protect them in this week to come. Lord, that you will protect their quiet time. Those with young children that feel they don't even have some time, Lord, I pray that you would carve out time, that you would help them with their schedules, Lord, that you would help them to find the quiet place, the secret place with you. Because that is where our change will come from. And Lord, I just bless them with that. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth. And when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So we bless your name. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen.